Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From NBI Studios, this is Truth and Justice, a crowdsourced investigation in real time. I'm Bob Rock. Last week, I broke down Tiffany Teasdale's first interview with the police. She sat for that interview on September 20th, just two days after she found out about the murders. At that point, there had been no time for anyone to influence her opinions. She was just looking for answers. We heard that Gray was a jerk, Robert was sweet, things seemed to be good with Jacob, she couldn't stand John, her mom seemed desperate to get away that weekend, and she and her mom were both working with the FBI regarding an investigation into Ron Friedley. She also told Bump and Sarah during that first interview that her mom and John always had financial problems, mostly stemming from John rarely working. What's interesting about that is that if Tiffany's impression of their financial circumstances is correct, it almost seems like John was hiding money. I say that because when we heard from Tim Rutherford, who was John's main contract, he verified via 1099 that John was making over $60,000 a year just from him. But according to Tiffany, her mom's job was what they were using to pay all of the bills, and they could barely keep up. Today you're going to hear two more interviews with Tiffany. The first occurred with Detective LeClaire calling her on October 25th, about five weeks after the murders. In that interview, we hear some interesting information about Ron's pension money. And then after an ad break, you're going to hear a longer interview recorded in January of 2018. 11 and a half years after the murders. At this point, Robert and Christian had been arrested for the second time and had been in custody for over a year. This interview was recorded just three months before the trial began. The main focus of what Bodmer and the district attorney, Aki, are trying to accomplish in this interview is they're trying to get out of Tiffany that she is the one that told Javier about Becky's body being in the wheelbarrow. They don't come out and say it, But in the trial transcripts, that's a point that they make, that Robert had guilty knowledge. Even though Robert, Bo, Corey, and Jacob all said that Javier told them about the body in the wheelbarrow, Javier says he didn't find out about it until days later when Tiffany told him. So that's the main focus from Bodmer and Aki. But they never really get what they're looking for. They just get kind of close. In this interview, you're going to hear Tiffany talk about a phone call with Robert and his reaction. And take that for what it's worth, but I just want to point out that we didn't hear anything about this phone call in her first two interviews. It never comes up on September 20th, but to be fair, when I checked the phone records, even though she thinks it happened on the 19th, that call actually occurred on the 21st, but it also doesn't come up in her October 25th interview, which is the first one you're going to hear today. And in that last interview, you're also going to hear about a phone call that Tiffany says Javier made on the night of the murders, a call that we've never heard about before. There's a lot of information to absorb in these interviews, and since this is going to be a long episode, this is the last that you're going to hear from me today. We'll be discussing everything and what it all means in this week's Friday follow-up. This is Season 12, Episode 31, Tiffany, Part 2. Texas Ranger James Holland is a legendary interrogator. They call him the serial killer whisperer. You can't hide those indications, and that's why yesterday I knew that you did it. But now, shocking interrogation tapes reveal how the super cop really operates. And that's why they asked me to come in, because I'm special. From something else, The Marshall Project and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Smokescreen. Just say you're sorry. 
Listen and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Say goodbye to the dish and hello to Sky Stream, the new way to get Sky over Wi-Fi. So you can get unmissable Sky shows like The Last of Us and Succession, as well as Netflix and Discovery Plus, and loads more, all in one subscription for £26 a month. Oh, and next day delivery with no upfront fee. Skystream. TV simplified. Head to sky.com. Requires Skystream and broadband minimum speed 10 megabits per second. 18 month minimum term. Cut off times apply for next day delivery. Excludes bank holiday. 18 plus terms apply. Hello. Hi, is this Tiffany? Yes. Hi, Tiffany. It's Detective LeClaire with the Sheriff's Department. Hi, how are you? Pretty good. How are you doing? I'm okay. Okay. Um, you have a few minutes for a couple questions? Sure. Okay. Um, regarding Becky's cell phone, did you do anything um, with the service of that, you know, through the company? Mm-hmm. I did. I canceled it. Okay. Do you, do you remember when you did that? Um, I can probably go look in my book, but it was probably the first week after we found out um, I came home. That whole first week it happened, let's see, it happened the 17th, and um, I think I did it on the 25th, September 25th, that Monday. Okay. And then I had, I canceled my mom's house phone, and I had all her calls forwarded to my cell phone. What about her cell phone? Well, all, th- all three, John and my mom and Becky, were all on the same cell phone plan. Okay, so you just canceled all the whole The whole plan, plan yeah. Now, let me see here. Which, which number was your mom's? Was it the 60 or the 61 number? Do you remember? Um, hers was... Okay, and then John's was the 61. Yeah, I guess. I never had his, so I'm assuming so, because Becky's was... Okay. And why did you cancel the service? Why? Yeah. Why wouldn't I? Oh. (laughs) No one... You know what? I keep calling um, the the senior detective, and he doesn't return my phone calls, so... Okay. You know what? I just did what I needed to do, and instead of them adding up more and more fees that would eventually come out of my pocket anyways, um, I just called up everything and canceled it. So I didn't see any reason to keep it going. Okay. Well. And no one told me not to, and I had asked the other detective. I was like, well, I'm going to cancel all the bills. and. Okay. So. Were, were there any phone calls that you got? Once you, um... Hello. Hi. Hi. I'm not sure what happened there. I know, it just all of a sudden went, and it was cut off. I was like, yeah. okay. I thought another call was coming in on your line or something. Uh-uh. Um, did you get any uh, calls that were forwarded from your mom? Uh, I did. One of them was just some silly candle thing that they have some candles that she already prepaid for that have been sitting there. Um... Any any other calls that I've gotten were all for John, and they were all credit card companies. Okay. Were they trying to solicit him as a customer, or was it for lack of payment? or? It was probably due to lack of payment. Of course, when I asked, is this a credit card, they're like, well, we can't tell you that information. But, I mean, I know from... 10 years ago when I was in debt with my credit card and you're not paying, they call up and say, oh, hey, is John there? Right. You know, or is Tiffany there? And and they try to act like your friend instead of right. saying who they are, and that's that's what they were. And um, so I'm assuming it's for collection of payment. Um, and one of them was really nasty. He's like, fine, well, I'll check with the, you know, with the Social Security office and, you know, um, probate or whatever. And I was like, okay, do whatever you want. Were there any voicemails um, that you were able to, or did you check on any voicemails on any of these phones? Uh-uh. I don't have any passwords for any any of them, so. Okay. All right. That's, that's all I had to ask you. 
Okay. So how? Where is where is the case at right now? Do we have any facts? Um, Do we have anything? Just still, still going forward, trying to um, piece things together and figure out who's who and who was where. Mhm. Mm so. Yeah. Do we? Do, I mean, am I allowed to know what the cause of death is yet? Well, no, and okay. that won't be released until the investigation gets to a point where that can be released. But they're still, they still haven't officially identified your mom yet. Right, or John, I heard. Right. So, but Becky, Becky's already been identified. Right. So they need to, DNA takes a lot longer than it does on TV. So they yeah. they got to do that first, you know, before they can accurately provide any information anyways. Yeah, when we originally called the coroner's office, we said, well, why don't we just do a DNA? And they said, well, it takes like two years. But I'm assuming because they're trying to identify a body, it's not going to take two years. Um, I don't think it's going to take that long, but it definitely takes probably a few months. Okay. Yeah, and I was I was curious about that because I mean we have her whole estate waiting on a death certificate, and meanwhile, like you know, her mortgage payments are having to be made, and I mean it's just a lot of money that's coming out because we don't have a death certificate. Who's the mortgage company? Um, it's Midland Mortgage. Yeah, and I sat down for an entire day just investigating, trying to figure out who the insurance company was so I could even make a claim on the house. And so, yeah, it's it just hasn't been very much fun trying to find out who every, everyone is and yeah. all her creditors and um, not even just the creditors, but just trying to file the insurance claim. Right. Do you, do you have a phone number or address for the mortgage company? Um, I do. Let me go pull up my file. You don't have to look for it now. If it's gonna, if it's not real handy, you can get back with me on that one. It'd be easier. Okay. Um, what number do I call you at? When you come across that, you can just leave the address and phone number okay. on my voicemail. How long has she had that company? Do you know? Um, you know what? She was, um, I think she was with, um, another company, she just refinanced the house um, in, I think in July or August. Um, she, she refinanced the house, so she's with Midland Mortgage. So the very first payment that was due on that new mortgage was due in September. And she had wrote, written a check and sent the check in. However, because the check cleared after she was already passed away, I'm assuming my mom was probably going to go put money in the bank. So not even one payment had been made on the new mortgage because the September payment bounced. So I paid the September payment. Okay. Just to, I wanted to make sure that, you know, they couldn't claim, like, well, no payments have ever been made on this, and I don't know what they would want to pull, but I wanted to make sure we actually made made at least one payment on there. So the first payment was due what month? September. September. But that bounced? But it bounced. It was $785, and my mom only had like $735 or something. But I'm assuming in her purse she probably had a, a paycheck, okay. and she was probably going to deposit it on Monday. Um, but the check actually bounced on... Um, I think it was like the 19th, like two days. I know it was like two days later. And you paid what? Did you pay October's payment or you just paid September's I payment? I paid September's payment, the 785 and the late fee. I just didn't want them to claim like, oh, payment's never been made. We're not going to hold to our end of the bargain. So I wanted to just, okay. since, it was, since no payments had been made on the new mortgage, did they get any um, extra money, you know, from the mortgage, like, you know, how people refinance and they get a little bit extra, you know, for home improvements or, or for whatever? Not as far as I know. Um, 
as far as I know, they didn't. All they did was refinance just to lower their payment. I mean, they were originally paying like nine sixty five or something, and um, and it lowered it down to like seven eighty five. How much was it? Nine what? I think it was nine sixty five is what they were paying, or nine sixty nine. It was it was pretty high. Were they behind in any other bills? Um, there is there is some debt. Um, I know that, but I don't. My mom was always behind in bills, so okay. <laughs> I'm sure there's there's plenty. Um, Why was that? Why was she behind? Well, because John was just a leech, and. You know, he hardly worked at all. So really, my mom's full-time job at Macy's was paying for everything, um, and so they could never, they could never get caught up. Now, I'm not quite sure now that she got the insurance money, why she didn't pay off her bills. What insurance money? Um, actually, not insurance money, but it was the when Ron and my mom divorced. Oh, uh, settlement. There was, there was, um, he, she got part of his retirement. Right. And so. Do you know how much? It was, you know, Ron actually knows all the details, but it, I think it was supposed to be originally like 27000 And what happened is my mom never finished the paperwork, so it gained so much interest because it stayed with Ron's money. So he gave her like 65000 and of that sixty-five thousand, there's there is an account. I don't know where the account is because Ron didn't finish giving me the information. But there's like fifty-three thousand left. And what happened to the other twelve? I'm assuming she spent it. I'm assuming she probably got caught up on her mortgage payments because she was always behind. Um, and I, but I don't exactly know how she spent. The twelve thousand. I don't know. I don't know where that went. Okay. So there is there is a, a chunk a chunk missing, but I guess she's had it for about a year. So I don't know. Ron, like I said, Ron was supposed to give me the rest of that information. Um, he actually found out where the account was and how much was there. Okay. Yeah, so I'm sure he would be able to give you, like, all the details of that. I I may not even be totally correct in what I'm telling you, but um, but that's that's kind of what I was told. Okay. Yeah, so I don't know what the original amount was, but, yeah, I know how much is left, but I don't know what bank it's in. All right. And I don't know where the 12000 went exactly. All right. Yeah. Well, so I that's may have some of that information anyways. Okay, yeah, I'm assuming that my mom didn't refinance for extra money because she already had money, so. All right. Yeah, I don't, yeah, it doesn't It doesn't seem like it. I pulled up her bank accounts, and there's not any significant amount of money in them. So, um, so it's not like she pulled anything out and had, a, you know, a bunch of money sitting in her bank account. Well, what about... Oh, okay. Well, that fifty-three is in the other account, anyways. Not her personal bank account. No, uh, uh, it's in a it's in a separate account. Um, it's in her name, but but it's in a it's in a separate bank. It's not in Bank of America where she had um, her other accounts. Did she ever talk to you about any of John's um, credit problems and needing to pay someone or something? She she did often talk about how John never paid his. She, I know for a fact she told me never paid his child support or his alimony, and she um, she did always say that when she got the money from Ron that she was going to pay off his debt um, for that, which was she told all of us it was ten thousand. And we were all very upset. Like, why would you pay his debt off? That was really ridiculous. So that possibly could have happened. She could have still paid his, all his back child support and alimony off. That could have been where that ten or 12000 went. 
Um, I do know that she purchased a brand new kitchen set or dining room set, like with the kitchen table and chairs and all that. And I know that was recent, but I don't know how much she spent on that. Um, so, yeah, John, you know, he had his, his driver's license was suspended, and he only worked under the table when he did work so that they couldn't garnish his checks for child support and alimony. Um, but my, my aunt told me that my mom called her, my Aunt Yvette, and said that she did pay off John's debt, and he got his driver's license back, and so... But I don't, I don't know if that actually happened. Okay. Yeah. So I know that I know my mom had always said it was like ten thousand dollars, and I know that I was always very upset about paying his debt off. All right. Well, if you come across the uh, Midland Mortgage address and phone number, just mm -hmm. give me a call and and let me know that. Okay. Okay, and then how long did you say it would take to identify my mom's body, you think? I'm not positive, because um, we're still checking into some of that. Uh-huh. But it, a, a few months wouldn't be out of ordinary. Okay. Like like three months or more? Um, it's hard to say, because it's one of those things where it, it has to go to a different place, and there's... It almost goes in line with other DNA testing that's being done. It's, mm -hmm. it's not a process that is done in 10 minutes while you on a commercial break. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm still trying to get some better answers on that. And if okay. I talk to you again, then maybe I'll have a, a better answer for you. Okay. All right? Okay. All right. Well, I'll find the mortgage information for you, and, and uh, if you don't answer, I'll just leave a message on your... On your phone. Okay. Thanks, Tiffany. Okay. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. It is... Uh January 25th, 2018. Uh, it's now uh, 4.20. I'm going to go with 4.20. Um, out here speaking with Tiffany Tisdale um, in Valencia. Um, and uh, Tiffany, can you go ahead and say your full name? Tiffany Tisdale. And uh, uh, I have uh, Deputy District Attorney, Assistant Deputy District Attorney John Key is present also. Um, all right, so, and uh, this is Ryan Bodmer, Investigator Ryan Bodmer. Um, thank you for meeting with us. The purpose of coming out here is, uh, again, not to uh, really give you, uh, we don't want to rehash your, your previous statements that you provided to uh, Investigator Bumpincero at the time in 2006 of okay. the original investigation. Um, uh, my questions will be pretty much somewhat uh, follow-up to questions that were really never asked uh, um, the last time. What I mean by that is that you may have provided some details that to us now uh, we're trying to get more clarification for. All right. Um, so I know I've got your address down. I'm not going to worry about any of that. Um, good contact number for you. Okay. <clears throat> and I've got your other contact information. We'll make sure that we get it added uh, to the witness list. Um, in I want to go back to the time when this happened, and I want you to kind of focus on uh, a calendar for me. Um, we know the date that uh, that that the incident happened was on the 17th. 
very early in the morning uh, on the 17th or late in the evening on the 17th, but the investigation really carried over into the 18th, mm -hmm. uh, which would be a Monday. Okay, okay. Um, as we push forward into that time frame. Um, so looking at that, we're looking at the evening of the 17th uh, being the time of the incident um, and pushing forward, uh, going forward into the 18th, 19th, 20th, and the 21st. Okay. Okay. Uh, are the dates that we are really kind of focused on. Um, and if you can kind of, I'll give you a moment to just wrap your brain around that. I know it's kind of hard. It's been a long time and you did get a chance to re refresh yourself with your previous statement. Um, Investigator Bump and Sarah had spoken to you. Who is the first person that you spoke to from law enforcement uh, about and did you learn the news from of the fires um, and then ultimately the I The first person I spoke to was uh, Bump and Sarah. Okay. He was, that, he's the one that interviewed me, correct? Um, he did interview you, okay. uh, but I'm specifically, the very first time that you heard from the anyone first, about this news. Oh, the about first the news. time I heard about it, I was in Ventura. Okay. I um, had, uh, I was cleaning houses at the time, so um, I guess lots of family members had tried calling me, but I had just had my phone off. Okay. And um, I believe that... Chuck, my godfather, actually was the first person to get a hold of me, but didn't tell me anything. He okay. just said, you need to get a hold of your aunt right now. Aunt. Um, and I'm pretty sure that it, I don't know if it was Yvette or Linda, I can't remember which one I spoke to at this point. Okay. Um, and I called them, um, it might have even been Yvette. I just remember the conversation. I just remember them telling me that there had been a fire at the house and they had recovered um, three bodies. And I said, no, that doesn't even make sense. Like, that's, that's not true. There, there was not, if there was a fire, there wouldn't have been any dead bodies. This doesn't even make any sense to me. So I already knew right away, like, no. And then the story changed quickly that they had found Becky's body outside, and I go, okay, this still, I already knew it didn't match up, already knew she had to work the late shift that night, my mom stayed up late, I already knew it didn't match, like, no matter what they told me, I was like, okay, you might have three bodies, but the circumstance of what you're telling me, uh, it, it you know, so. Um, what day was this? This was, this was Sunday night. This was the same night that okay. it happened. Okay. So, oh, so it was at that night, late yeah, in the evening? Yeah, it was. So it wasn't, even, it wasn't even that late. Um, oh, you know what? I bet you, so this was a Sunday night that it happened, right? Mm -hmm. I bet you it was the next night. Yeah, I okay. bet you it was the, the next night after it happened. Right. So and I'll tell you this, that the, the, old, the incident occurred uh, between the hours of 9.30 um, and I would even push it to eight, a uh, little, yeah. little later, but you know, in the, in, in the eight o'clock time frame, pushing forward to the first police being there a little after ten o'clock. Okay. Okay. So that's in the evening uh, there. So that's why I said the investigation really didn't segue in until the next morning, right. which would be the eighteenth. Right. Right. So I think that was the first phone call that we had gotten were the okay. next day. And now, now that you're saying, okay. now that we're talking about that, that makes sense because I remember that we were told a day later and it was already in the newspaper that mm. next day and we hadn't even received a okay. call yet and it was and I remember being very upset that we hadn't even been told and it was already out there in the papers out there sun. it okay. was already in the newspaper and that was upsetting all right so, um, so kind of slowing it down just a little bit so you, you're working you get a call from one of your aunts uh, um, and you're not sure if it's Yvette or Linda, but one of the two, they call you, which would have been the next day um, from the incident. Right. And they would tell you that uh, there's been a fire at the house and that there were three bodies recovered. Mm -hmm. And you said to me there that you said you'd, you'd heard one of them say that one body was found outside? Right. Okay. Was that on the evening of the 18th or in... Yeah, so this all this conversation was all that same in that same phone call, that initial phone call. And that uh, would have been the evening of the 18th. Yes. Okay. okay. 
evening. All right, see. Uh, so we so um, we have that uh, um, down now. At least some of that time frame down. Did they say or did they provide any details as to um, who was in the house or who was outside the house? Not knowing what you know now, because clearly we know a lot. But right. talking about keeping your mindset on what you were told. Yeah, no, I was told that evening that my sister Becky, um, that her that um, her body was outside the house. Okay. Okay. And do you know who told you that? Was it one of your aunts? Yeah, so this is all the same phone Got call. It. Hadn't okay. didn't talk to anyone else. It was one single phone call. Um, okay. All right. On the 18th, evening of the 18th. Um, okay, what happened after that phone call? Then you... Um, so I left immediately, um, drove um, home um, from Ventura here to Santa Clarita. And I remember making a few phone calls. I called Becky's um, best friend when she lived up here. I remember calling Brandon mm -hmm. um, and telling him, and I guess he had already heard. So a couple of people heard. And I think at that point, conversations, we all just started talking, like everyone started talking. Mm -hmm. um, I think I, if I, if I'm not mistaken, I think I remember calling Robert the exact same night. Um, on the 18th? On the 18th, okay. um, on my way home, um, calling him and asking him, like, oh, my God, have you heard what happened? Um, and he's like, what are you talking about? You know, and I was just like, oh, you know, this happened to Becky. And he was like, oh, yeah. And I was like, well, how do you feel about it? And he's like, I don't know. It's no big deal. Like, he acted like he could care less. Like, he had zero feeling about it, which was shocking to me. So you told him that there was a, that Becky had been found outside, or that there. I don't she was know if I told him a, de a detail, just kind of what had happened that mm -hmm. that there was a fire and that three bodies had been recovered and she was dead, and he he wasn't even surprised. There was mm -hmm. zero like he didn't act shocked or like a normal reaction. There was um, mm -hmm. I don't know. He just acted like okay, so. Mm -hmm. And so you get this call on the evening of the 18th where you finally call back Yvette and Linda. Um, and uh, this is after work because you were working? Well, I was working. Mm -hmm. I was still working, but from the nature of Chuck saying, like, you really need to get a hold of your aunt, like, right now. Do you remember I, what the time, time frame that was? <sighs> what time that was at? I want to I say I didn't work much past like 5.30. So I want to say that it was somewhere around that 5, 5.30 time okay. period. It's the best I can remember. Sometimes, all right. Yeah, no worries. 5 to 5.30. That's your best memory. Yeah. Okay. Um, and once you get this news, you don't start making phone calls. You actually leave. You're getting ready to leave? Yeah. Okay. So I leave. All right. And when you leave, you're leaving where? Ventura. And you're going to... Um, at the time, I was living with Chuck. Okay. And he lives like a mile from here. Okay. So then you and then you went there uh, to to uh, Charles Kunze. Yes. Okay. So Chuck's house, and then from that house, uh, it's now it's now later on in the evening, or at least by six o'clock mm -hmm. standard, seven o'clock or. Yeah. Seven What's happening years. now at the house there at, on the 18th? Okay. So one day after the murders. Um, Brandon shows up. Who's Jacob. Brandon? So Brandon, so when Becky lived up here, mm -hmm. um, Jake is Chuck's nephew that okay. lives down the street. Brandon lives on the same street as Chuck, and they all went to high school together. Oh, okay. So they were all like... I think I know who these are. Yeah, I've seen, yeah, the, yeah. I've seen the interviews. Okay, got I, I know who they are. So, um, so they came over, um, and we were all just, you know what had happened and I remember we were all just crying and very upset. very upset um, and just kind of talking about like and I just kept you know I think we were just kind of hashing the details of like mm. wait a minute there wouldn't have been they wouldn't have died from a fire like this doesn't make sense like mm. I mean it, you just know someone's habits like 
you know, they're not going to die from a fire at, you know, 7, 8 o'clock at night. They're just, you know. Right. Kind of um, and I was thinking, I was like, how would she, her body be found outside the second story window? That doesn't make sense either. Do you know how many times we've jumped out that window off the roof onto the deck? Like, yeah. I mean, you know, it's like, no, 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 no. Like, she didn't slip and fall. Like, there was, so we just kept trying to put the pieces together of, like, mm-hmm what could have happened was there a robbery gone bad and she tried to jump out but who knows like we just kept trying to put the pieces together because we didn't have anything so at your point in time and at this time uh, you know all you know was very vague details uh from your aunts again either yvette or yeah. Linda, that um, there had been a fire and yeah. that there had been three bodies recovered and yeah. that one of which was a body that was found outside and that was uh becky um, and but there was no other details. Um, yeah, I th- I think the calls started coming in and bits and pieces started coming in because we'll, we'll get to those. Okay, so we'll I don't those. know if it was in the as we night. progress. Yeah, again, that's why I was trying to try to walk you going down this timeline okay. here. So on the 18th, all right. Um, on the 18th, uh, fair to say uh, that was what I just recapped with you was the information you knew, and then leading into the next day. I mean, as you go in through the evening, when do you decide to go from the 18th and you're at Charles Kunze's house, do you decide to come to the valley, Desert Valley? Um, so my grandfather, um, which isn't living now, um, we all decided that we would go up to Santa Barbara so at least okay. all of our family could be together. And my grandfather was the one that decided, look, no one's contacted us. No one's interviewing us. No one's letting us know what's going on. And this so, is, I'm sorry if I can stop you. This is the morning of the 19th, or is it the evening of the 18th? That he decided that we that would That you traveled up there, of, yeah. It was probably the next day on the 19th that I traveled up okay. to Santa Barbara. Okay. Um, can I clarify one thing? So yes. When Brandon and Jake and other people mm-hmm. were here, um, at your at Charles's house mm-hmm. and you were all talking about things when did you or when do you remember in that time frame having that call with your aunts to to discuss things or will you learn some details do you, do you remember what time that would have been 5 or 5:30 I thought that was when she started to drive back from the, I that's the about I think about the time that I had heard cuz I know yeah. even after hearing the information she, I sat on the woman's couch for a little bit yeah. Um, because I was just like stunned. Because then it was Um, about that time then after she took that call then she, my understanding is then you drove to Charles' house. Okay. Yeah, so at 5 to 5.30 is when she decided to take the call and call back and speak to either Yvette or Linda. Yeah. And that's where you got the information that we recapped. Yes. And then you went to see Charles Chuck's because that's yeah. where you were living. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where you came across Jake and Brandon and everybody was very upset and mm-hmm. you were just at that Hashing. point trying to figure out yeah. well, how can this be. Right. All right. Um, and, uh, and and there's no other information there, uh, details that you've spoken with of anybody at the crime scene. Did you speak to anybody that night about any details? Nope. Okay. The next more all night long? No, okay. I don't. And yeah. then on the 19th, uh, or I'm saying now it's two days away from from the death from the mm-hmm. murders. Um, you decide in the morning. At, this is where I'm at. You, you decide. You spoke to your grandfather. Mm-hmm. Let's go meet and be family together in Santa Barbara. Right. All right. And now that's 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 on the 19th. So that's best of your recollection in the morning. Okay. What happens up there? Like what's the? Um. So. You know, I I think details just started coming in, little bits and pieces of information. I think by this point, now we had heard that the neighbor was the first one to show up mm-hmm. to the property, um, and um, I think their last names were Wright or something. It was a um, house that was almost similar to ours. Um, up. Anyways. Um, so I think now at this point we had heard that he was the first one to show up um, because he saw that there was a fire, um, saw that the house was completely engulfed, and saw that Becky's body was actually in a wheelbarrow on fire. Um, so now we had heard, now we have some new information. We're like, wow, okay. And this is on the would- 19th. 
Yeah. Okay. And this detail is coming in just bits and pieces by because of the connection to the neighbors? Yeah, I guess just from everyone knowing different neighbors and knowing different pieces. Okay. Somehow it's now just little pieces are leaking here and there. The newspaper had written articles and taken statements. We'd read all of that. Like, but in that, there was no two, details. Now okay. we have two days of, well, in except the for we had two days of newspaper information where we hadn't had any information. Like, right. So, I mean, um, so even... Can I ask you a question? Even what the newspaper had to mm -hmm. say was more than what we were even getting. In the newspaper, did you learn anything about the crime scene? Details of the crime scene? Um, from your from your memory. I don't think details. Okay. So as you're at this house, this is the first time you're getting significant details of who was at the scene first. Yeah. That now who, all of a sudden who, we where was Becky found? Right. Okay. And right. this is on the nineteenth. Right, is when yeah. you're finding this out, and that's where that is. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. So we got the neighbors in there. Details started coming in. Uh, and that's where you first learned that Becky was potentially on fire in a wheelbarrow. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is the 19th, um, two days after the murders, well, a little more than a day, about more than a day and a half, it's more day yeah. and three quarters. Um, and, uh, and did you at this time reach out to anybody in the Coachella Valley? Uh, you'd said, and I thought this was, this was, I wanted to make sure I got the right date on that, that you think you made a contact to Robert which would have been on the 18th. Right, the night of. The night of, because you spoke to Jake and Brandon, then you actually, in your inquiry, said, I'm gonna call this guy. Mm -hmm. Why did you call him? Because he, you know, in in all of this, them being boyfriend and girlfriend, I knew he had cared a lot about her. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know if it was, a, I, you know, it's been so long now, I can't remember if it was, well, obviously it was a recent breakup, mm -hmm. and I just thought that he would really be stunned and care to mm -hmm. hear what had happened. Right. Um, Do you recall when this call came in, if you could? It was clearly, it was well after 5.30. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so this yeah I know it was dark. I remember driving home, okay. and, you know, I mean, it's summer, so it, you know, it was, the sun had already gone yeah. down, so it had to have been, you know, well, we might even put this time a little later, because I just remember it was dark. Mm. The sun wasn't up at all, so, I mean, mm. we're talking summer, and, you know, the sun goes down later, mm. you know, so oh, even yeah. logically I'm thinking maybe it was, it a, was, little maybe it was a little later, because... Okay. For the sun to be down, it had to have, what, probably been eight? Yeah. So when you summer. say the call came in, you made the call to Robert, or Robert called you? No, I called him. Okay, and you believe that was on the 18th? Right. I believe that was on the 18th, okay. on my way home. Okay. Okay. And uh, um, at this point in time, uh, you didn't have any knowledge of, of, of the crime scene? None. Okay. Had no idea. That's all. When the call to Robert came in, you had knowledge of the crime scene at that point? I had knowledge that there was a fire and three recovered bodies. Okay. That was it. Okay. And one was outside? And then eventually, yeah, and one was, yeah, then it came in that um, one was outside or something. or okay. my It was, I definitely know that it, was, they had said it was my sister that was outside. Okay. So I did know that part. Okay, but you didn't know anything else. This is a specific from the neighbors where they say, hey, I was the first one there, or hey, uh, I think, you know, Becky was in a wheelbarrow on fire, uh, hey, the house is fully destroyed. Mm -hmm. You started to get pits and pieces right. then. 
uh, specifically was the, that the, the neighbors were doing that part right there. All right. Um, so and that, again, go ahead. You, you did not share any of the details of the crime scene with Robert? No. Nope. When, okay. when I made that first phone call and just told him that she was, there was three bodies recovered, um, that was it. I never spoke to him ever again. That's what I was trying to get Never at. made the, another call, never said, only made that, never met But you him, remember never. physically speaking to him? Yep. Got it. And because you, you described it was kind of cold, distant, not concerned? Because I was shocked. Concerned at how he responded, okay. which then I shared that with Brandon, and Brandon had told me I called him too. Okay. He calls him, tells him the exact same thing, and he got and he said, I got the exact same response. He acted like he didn't even care, like it okay, why are you telling me? Like whatever. Like he didn't act like he cared in the least. And Brandon and I both shared that our conversations were almost identical, and Robert had responded exactly the same way, and we were both really stunned with his lack of any type of reaction. And would this have been a call to his cell phone? Probably. Okay. Okay. I don't think I had another number. Yeah. Well, we... Well, so well, we have we have his for that day. So mm -hmm. uh, for those that period of time, so we should be able to, to hopefully match that up. Um, and uh, um, interesting, uh, just an added point on that. Uh, I want to go back to uh, the 19th now, uh, and and you're still you're in Santa Barbara. You're starting to get pieces of information, mm -hmm. and you still haven't heard from law enforcement. Nope. That's where you left off when I right. rudely cut you off. But I was trying to get this in my head. Yeah. Here, so. Still haven't heard anything. Um, you know, we still haven't been right okay. contacted. Um, later, I think I learned that we hadn't even been contacted by law enforcement. Law enforcement had contacted Ron and expected Ron to filter the information to the rest of us, which he heard, he knew about it mm -hmm. from my understanding the night it happened. Mm -hmm. He mm -hmm. didn't call my family until a day later. Okay. Um, so at this point, I still don't even think we've been contacted by any law enforcement. Law enforcement. Right. Um, <clears throat> so, um, so I think we spent the entire day in Santa Barbara just being together and just, I remember just being so emotional and all of us crying and my grandfather said, you know what, we need to just take a trip down there. And so I can't remember if it was immediately the next day. I mean, I guess we could look based on the day that mm -hmm. I went down and gave the testimony. Cause, All right. Right. Um, okay. You know, or gave the statement because you have the day that before, you have that for sure, yeah. yeah, I would have been in Santa Barbara. Um, and you remember this interview taking place in the valley? Yes, it was, we drove to the Palm Desert Sheriff's Station, um, showed up, and that's when we all showed up as a big caravan, our whole family, then they decided, oh, well, maybe we should interview you, and then they started taking us in one by one. Okay. So it was really done because we pushed you it. down there. Okay. Right. It so wasn't like we were contacted or asked for an interview at all. And what uh, was that day? At least what we can tell okay. on the report. So September twentieth. Okay. Okay. So that's the day where you got you were, uh, and that makes sense because we're going as we're going through right. this timeline. So if I'm in Santa Barbara on the nineteenth, and we all decide we're yep. driving to the desert together, right? We get up. I remember we went super early in the morning. I remember we left at like four or four thirty in the morning. Your grandfather. My grandfather was like, "We're not hitting LA traffic." <laughs> we're, yeah. Um, and uh, and then so we went down to the desert. We drove down that next morning. Okay. Yep. That matches up. I'm just looking at making sure confirming the uh, the date here, which is absolutely spot on. Um, all right, so now we're now we're on Wednesday, the twentieth, uh, and now you go to the police station for the first time, and that's when police start talking to you, mm -hmm. right? Um, had along that way, uh, had you had you spoken to anybody on the cell phone? 
Had you talked to anyone that gave you details of the crime scene? Um, talk to anybody? Or anyone, any source of information that would have said, hey, look, this is what is going on over here. Oh uh, this, as a police officer called you, did anyone, did you have a source of information uh, that would have called you and said, this is what we're looking at over here? Nope. Okay. Um, when we were at that, and I want to go backtrack a little bit, on okay. the 19th when you're in Santa Barbara with the family and neighbors are calling, did anybody specifically call you and say, hey, this is what I see over here? No. Okay. Um, so this is just all people that have developed it's relationships kind of with third, family members, yeah. with, with, with Linda, Yvette, so yeah. forth, friends it's of your mother's. It's party coming right. in, it's being, you know, it's okay. being told to me, you know, secondhand. Okay. No one's ever called me to tell me they knew of anything. Any details. Right. All right. So on the 20th, you're finally interviewed, you speak with investigator Bumpensero, mm -hmm. is that correct? Yeah. All right. Um, at that time, do you learn any details of the crime scene? Um, one detail um, that I had learned, and only because I asked, I remember saying, how did my sister die? And he said, I don't know, and I can't tell you that she was dead um, when they lit her on fire. So he had told me that she had been lit on fire, and I said, was she, was she dead before they lit her on fire? And he said, I don't know. She was either dead or she was unconscious. Mm -hmm. So at that time, it was only because I had asked specifically about that okay. that that was probably a detail that I learned from. And that, and then him. putting that together with that Becky was in a wheelbarrow, that was your understanding of of the crime scene of what was going on. And then, um, you know, I I don't know at what point I had learned that my mom and John were in the house. At some point in there, I do know that they were mm -hmm. they were both in the house. Um, but I I don't know is exactly when I learned that information. Okay. So, uh, but. You know, based on what you had a chance to refresh your memory on what your conversation was with uh, with Bump and Cerro, um, did you have any conversations uh, with anyone else on that day outside of Bump and Cerro as to the condition of the crime scene? Um, law enforcement or yes, yeah, no. Okay, so, so the only law enforcement person I spoke to was okay, investigator mm -hmm. Bump and Cerro. Um, all right. Anybody else uh, that maybe uh, had would would have been friends with Becky? Uh, you had mentioned it earlier that there was a girlfriend of hers that was she was very close with. Any conversations with her or any at all at this point? Um, you know, I just I just remember being outside that the sheriff's station, and it really was just a mix of. Our entire family, Tanya was there. Um, you know, I think she was there with her husband at the time. Ron was there, uh, but really, so it was just family. Mm, um, yeah. So I don't remember even like friends or anything. Oh, Becky. Yeah, okay. like nothing. Um, I don't remember anyone else um, besides our family really being the one. There. Okay, that's fair enough. Um, do you recall having a conversation with um, with Javier Garcia? Yes. Okay, and who is Javier Garcia again? That's your recollection. So my understanding of Javier um, Garcia was it was a really good friend of Becky's. They never dated. There wasn't an interest there, but they um, hung out together all the time. Um, I know that he was uh, mayor. Garcia's son, Bonnie, Bonnie Garcia's son. Yeah. Um, and my understanding is they were just really good friends and they used to hang out all the time. Okay. Um, when you spoke to him, do you remember what day that was that you spoke to him? If we look at that map thing again. Here's here's a day of travel, by the way. This is a long drive to the desert. Yes, so you, we left early, remember? Yeah, we got there early. Like I was already interviewed by 9.50 that morning, so... 
you know. Yeah, yeah, you did. Yeah, you guys yeah. did get there early. Um, do you remember your, your conversation? You spoke with Javier Garcia. Do you remember if you spoke to him on the phone or if you spoke to him in person? No, we spoke in person. But right. If I have my timeline right, my understanding is on the 20th, after everyone had been interviewed, we were told that we weren't going to be allowed up to the crime scene um, until they had op opened it, you know, opened up the house, and right. it was still under investigation. And for some reason, I in my head it was like four days. I keep thinking it was four days after the crime had happened. Like we weren't allowed to go up to the property. Mm -hmm. We were all really hungry. We all went to go eat. I think we actually went to go eat at Islands. Um, and we were sitting in a big, giant um, booth. And that might have even been for dinner. I remember at some point, and I'm pretty sure it was on the 20th, at some point we were at the mall. We're in the food court. And Javier was there and his cousin, um, what was his name? Jacob. Okay. I think his name was Jacob. Um, and they started kind of filling us in on what they knew. Okay. Um, and so my whole family sitting there and they're receiving um, information. Yeah. And so they're telling us, you know, so that at that point, that's when Javier had let us know that. Um, he knew all about the hike they were supposed to go on, everything that was going on, that he had made the phone call from the payphone because he had been in Hemet coming through, go back to the desert, because at the time there wasn't cell phone service. Mm -hmm. um, and so um, he stopped at the payphone and he's like, I called her and said, are you sure you don't want me to come mm -hmm. over? Are you sure? Like, I'm right here. And she's like, no, no, I'll be fine. And he's like, okay. And so he drove home. Okay. Um, and so that was when we had, I had learned about that. At the same time, I had learned that Becky and Jacob had recently dated. Um, and I guess it was very amicable. They both decided it just wasn't for them. And they were still really on good terms. Like there wasn't mm -hmm. anything anything there that okay so this uh, is at the food cart in the mall in the conversation mall. and uh, he was telling you this um, did he tell you any information that he was aware of or that he knew of or did about the crime scene or did you say was there was there a discussion about the crime scene at all between nope. the two of you nope. nothing he said he didn't know anything he just called the house and um, I did learn that you know she had to work that night um, Mm -hmm. You know, so I, you know, I knew that, so I knew she was up. It's not like she was sleeping or whatever. We had learned about um, Robert, you know, I guess claiming they had um, decided to go on this hike together, which I was like, okay. And then um, I was like, oh, okay, you know, she lives up in the mountains, whatever. Um, but then when we had learned that, he had made threats, and then it was concerning. Like, why would she agree to Who? do this? Why would my sister Who agree made threats? that Robert had made the threats that he was going to kill her? There was something like that floating around. Hey, um, where did you learn this at? Um, so this, I, I don't know if I heard this from Javier, which is why he was concerned which is why he stopped to say, are you sure you don't want me to come by? I just remember him being concerned um, and that she was alone um, and that, you know, he was just like, are you sure you don't? So I might have learned it after mm -hmm. the fact. Okay. Um, Did you learn that from him, Javier? Boy. That I don't know. Yeah. I don't. I, I you know, as soon as as soon as people start talking, it's just like a swarm and a flood right. of of Was information of, starts coming in. Oh, there's just talk everywhere, and somebody mm -hmm. now knows this from this person and that person and where it all comes from. It's 
Do you think that, that gets kind of hard? You may have, may, may have shared uh, the information you learned about the crime scene with Javier and Jacob, as because they're sharing information with you. Do you believe that you may have shared some information with him on the occasion that you spoke to him? Um, I don't know what there was for me to know. He already mm-hmm. knew, he was already aware of the situation, so I don't think there was anything that I was filling him in on. But I mean, your details him. about the crime scene, because what you just well, indicated to us that, that he didn't know anything about the crime scene, but these other details. But you guys uh, did. That's kind of what I was saying. Yeah. Because you guys had already known that there was bodies in the, that Becky, and then now you know about the wheelbarrow. Did yeah. It, did you tell him that then, or in, was there? You were. It seems as if you were having a back and forth conversation yeah, where you were sharing, you know, trying to sort things was, out. Right. My family was asking both of them questions, and we were, you know, they were telling us stuff, and we were sharing information back and forth. And how we even met up, I don't even know if we happened to be in the food court and they happened to walk. I don't even know how there was yeah. even a meeting of the two of us. Don't even know how that happened. Is it possible that you that the that, that we there could have been discussion of the crime scene at that point? Um. Well. As to where the bodies were found and so forth. Uh, absolutely. I mean, there could could have absolutely been conversation of because that's what we knew. And you know, when you don't suspect anyone, you're not really thinking like maybe I shouldn't say anything. Um, And I really don't suspect Javier. I don't. Um, And I, you know, I knew of my sister's relationship with him and, you know, I guess people surprise you, but, you know, um, in not my wildest dreams did I ever think he had anything to do with this. So to me it wasn't, uh, I wasn't worried about telling him what we knew and he was telling us what he knew. Okay. So it seemed like a back and forth conversation about sharing of what, what you knew mm-hmm. and what he knew and, yeah. and that's why he would have told you that, um, oh by the way, did you know that Robert was supposed to and it was was it Robert, did he say, or did he say it was anybody else to you or Well he just said Robert. Okay. Our whole family didn't even know somebody else was involved. Okay. And that's fine at that time in right. two thousand and six. That's kind of trying to bring you back over here to the and this is at the yeah. evening of the twentieth still. Or could this be in the 21st? Well, this I'm pretty sure this was, we had all went to go eat or something this and was, at this, like lunchtime on the 20th. After oh, we at had the mall, all which had, would be closer to the station. Right. So we had all had like our interviews and did our thing and we're hungry. We traveled at <laughs> four in the morning or something. So I think then we went to go. To the mall. Mm-hmm. And then plus, and then the evening it was the. Was and then the, I think in the evening we went to dinner. Okay. Um, and um, and I know I, I think pretty sure for dinner or breakfast this next morning, uh, half of my family kind of went with Ron to talk about whatever they're going to do, and the other half of my family we went and ate somewhere else. So at this point now we kind of split up, but we're still waiting mm-hmm. because we want we're staying in the desert because we're waiting to go up to the crime scene. We want to go up and see the property, which we were told that at some point I thought it was like four in the afternoon or I can't remember what the time was, but we were told um, we would then be allowed onto the property. Which, when did that happen? So that I'm pretty sure was on the 21st. Okay. Um, I don't remember it being the same day. I'm pretty sure I remember spending the night that it took. um, Yeah. Because, yeah, you were there. You stayed the night, exactly. So yeah. that would take it to the 21st. Did you stay another night? It could have been longer. Yeah. Okay. So um, so I just remember us, you know, going up there and waiting for them to, you know, clear, clear it so that we could go on the property. Okay. And they had it secured? Mm-hmm. Okay. I All mean, right. I guess so when you went up to the property... Yeah. When you went up to the property, mm-hmm. were there police officers still there and the you know crime scene tape and stuff like yeah. that? Okay. Yeah. So the property was secured on at least as far as you recollect. Yeah, I mean I don't know first. if there was like you know a guard standing at the driveway saying no one's allowed. You know I don't I don't. Know Bottom line is you didn't have access. <laughs> we I, I guess you know we're rule followers, so it was like we were told we weren't allowed to go. You know we didn't push our mm-hmm. luck. We didn't try. All right. And then at some point while we're up there. Um, they had said, all right, it's, you know, it's clear. Okay. 
And then uh, uh, during that time frame, uh, you'd, you'd ran into Javier in person. Did you ever call him? Mm-mm. Did you ever speak to him on the phone that you recall? Not that I remember. Okay. So this is a personal conversation that mm-hmm. you had. Okay. All right. You have any questions? Um, yeah, just one more question about the phone call. Um, did did you have Javier's at least phone number? Did you exchange information? Could he have called you at some point in time? Um, do you sure. ever recall speaking to him? Um, on the phone? I don't re- recall speaking to him on the phone. Um, I think it's highly likely that I gathered his phone number or took his phone number or we mm-hmm. exchanged information okay. at okay. that time. I think that's highly likely. All right. Okay. Okay. I think we've crossed the, the parallel there of the, uh, at least of the days that we were talking about. And uh, again, um, you do have the materials uh, for that, and uh, I would just encourage you to continue to refresh your memory okay. based upon your initial statement that you provided. Uh, our follow-up questions were specific in nature. I think okay. you can kind of figure that out. Um, and I don't have any further questions, uh, so I'm going to go ahead and end. It's now uh, 5 o'clock. NBI Studios production and is distributed by Wondery. Edited by Kelly Barron's Brink and sound engineered by Shane Yoder. All music for the show was created, composed, and scored by PutThemInASong.com, who also mixed and mastered this episode. All of our fonts across all of our logos and banners were created by Tate Krupa of Red Swan Graphic Design, and you can find more of Tate's work on Etsy. Thank you to Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com for designing, creating, managing, and maintaining our website truthandjusticepod.com where you can view all photos and documents discussed in every episode. And a big thank you to our transcription team. Pamela Westby, Kathy McElhaney, Kay Woodyomnik, Ginger Fiola, Erica Cantor, Danielle Rohr, Jennifer Ford, Courtney Wimberly, and Melissa Cardenas. And as always, thank you to all of you for all of your engagement and support. If you like the show and you'd like to support us, you can do so in several ways. To financially support the show, the best thing you can do is just go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. You'll not only be supporting the show, but you'll get something in return. On Patreon, you can pledge as little as $3 a month, and we have reward levels. For just $5 a month, you get access to ad-free versions of all of our episodes and behind-the-scenes bonus video content every week. Then other reward levels include t-shirts, hats, and even the opportunity to co-host one of our Friday follow-up episodes. Go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. You can also do us a huge favor by going to iTunes and leaving us a five-star rating and review. And lastly, you can always support us by supporting the brands that sponsor this program. If you have a new case that you'd like us to consider for future seasons, you can submit your cases on our website, truthandjusticepod.com. Just click on the case submission button and fill out the form. And the most important thing that you can do is to engage in our investigations. You can keep in touch with us through our email at theories at truthandjusticepod.com. You can like our Facebook page or join in on the conversation on the Truth and Justice Podcast fans page on Facebook. And for all you tweeters out there, you can connect with us on Twitter at TruthJusticePod. And I can be found personally on all forms of social media at BobRuffTruth. And don't forget that we always have our 24-7 voicemail line open for questions, comments, or tips on our cases. That phone number is 269-224-2833. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. But as for now, I'm signing off. I'm Bob Ruff, and this has been Truth and Justice. Thank you.